Today's podcast is brought to you by Sashay Shirt Company. Sashay Shirt Company creates shirts about the South and its culture. If you're from here, you'll get it. And if you're not, well, it's never too late to learn. Sashay Shirt Company embodies Southern culture through shirts, and we love the South, the food, music, culture, and especially football here on this podcast. So check out SashayShirtCo.com, visit them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and pick up your next favorite shirt today. Welcome back to another edition of Crew to Drew. I'm Andrew Alexander alongside Drew Holtkamp. Drew, the Tigers have officially sealed their fate. AM just made the season a whole lot more interesting in College Station. And the Saints, they're three and two, and they have a bye week. So yeah, yeah. Saints is looking good. Saints one bright spot for both of us. Uh, great day of college football on Saturday. Bad day for Pete Golding and Alabama's defense. Choked that game away against AM. Uh, and yeah, Coach O's done. I mean, there's no way he's coming back. All that more come up here on Crew Drew. How happy were you that Bama lost? It was a beautiful thing. It's a nice consolation prize. Uh, more more so because I'm rooting for chaos this season. Uh, as an LSU fan, that's really all you can root for. But it was uh, pretty funny that uh, we all thought that AM might be able to give Bama a good game at the beginning of the season. After how the first five weeks had transpired, no one really thought they had a shot. Maybe they were looking ahead during Mississippi State. Maybe Calzada finally figured things out in game four. But uh, that was, in a day of really exciting games, that was the cherry on top for any college football fan watching that. For sure. And look, everyone likes when Alabama loses. And it was it was a really entertaining football game. Just Bama made some key mistakes that, that really cost them the game. You know, you had the, the interception in the end zone, driving in by Bryce. Bryce th- thought I played pretty well. He was a little inaccurate. I think the crowd at Kyle Field was really getting to him. You know, Brian Robinson was able to run the ball pretty effectively, 24 carries, 147 yards. Probably would have liked for see to see him get in the end zone. And Jamison Williams has just proven to be one of the best receivers in the country. He was outstanding in the second half. Uh, but the story of this game is the defense and Pete Golding. Bama fans know and have been frustrated with Pete Golding for the last two years now. Uh, you know, Bama had a chance to go and win the game. You know, up 38 it was 38 all, and Bryce goes three and out and gives the ball back to Calzada, but the defense couldn't stop anybody. Bama made a great comeback. They were down 24-10 at one point to get it to 38-31 to with a two-point play. That's kind of when Jamison Williams took over, and then the defense couldn't stop anybody. Calzada played out of his mind. This is one of those games where an undermanned team beats Bama off of just insane quarterback play. I mean, 21-31, 285 doesn't sound great, but he was making unbelievable throws mm-hmm. on the money, timely throws for big chunk yardage. And that's been Bama's issue. It was that it, their issue in, in the Florida game. They couldn't stop the run there. Here, they couldn't defend the pass. You know, they had the one pick by Helms. But overall, just a poor defensive performance. And it's a trend that we've seen pretty much for two years now, and it's not great. Cry me a river, Drew. Cry me a freaking Look, river. We're fine. And it's probably good that this reboots the process. But it's frustrating when, and you can attest to this, LSU not having a running game, when Bama's been so dominant defensively, mm-hmm. for them the last two years to be giving up chunk plays and major points, I and mean, we don't have as good of an offense as we did last year where they could outscore everyone. So it's just, it's frustrating. And obviously, you know, I wasn't too upset. Bama's won a ton, and I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for that, and I'm not, you know, taking anything for granted, but... I just I don't know if this is a national championship team. I want them to be, but looking at Georgia and their defense, Alabama's got some issues. Now, they're probably going to win out, I think. I don't think LSU's going to beat them. Arkansas could be a little frisky, but I believe that game's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but right now, this, the defense has got to improve. And like I said, hopefully this is the uh, the straw that gets the process drink stirred, a going, stirred going again. I don't even think that makes sense. Uh, I'm just frustrated because this defense is just awful right now. It's it's so annoying. I don't think he ever would admit this or ever really wants this, but this is, in Nick Saban's mind, probably the best thing that could happen in this team. Oh, yeah. He's been trying to get their attention, trying to get their attention. I mean, before the game, boom. he was like, this is a trap game. you know. And so, which it wasn't. And you got to tip your hat to a and I mean, Calzada played amazing, and Jimbo – coached his best game as an Aggie, as the Aggie coach by far. They've been a massive disappointment this year, and 
you know, he said they were going to kick Bama's ass at, at SEC media days, and they came out, they jumped on him early, they had to fight to, just to tie it up, and they eventually took the lead, but then the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Ten unanswered points to close the game hurts. It was beautiful. I loved watching. I started watching late in the fourth quarter after the LSU game, and uh, I couldn't believe it because we've been blessed as, as football fans. You start off the day, you've got this great Red River rivalry game. You've Unbelievable got this great uh, Ole Miss-Arkansas game. That was a lot of fun. Penn State-Iowa was exciting. Uh, it was exciting to see uh, Georgia pistol whip Auburn. I mean, there's just a lot of good stuff going on. The game I actually was at was like probably the worst game of the day. <laughs> it really was. Unless you're, the, unless you're like Florida Vandy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was the worst game they ever. Yeah, the, well, but we all knew the Vanderbilt thing was coming. I mean, I, I saw that thirty-nine point spread, and I was like, all right, Florida may double them up on that. They're yeah. they're they're out for blood today. Yeah, that was uh, it was it was interesting, man. You didn't even mention the uh, your boy Malachi Moore gets gets tossed out of the game. Look, can we talk two. about this this targeting rule? I, and I I kind of came up with this watching the games. The ejection's got to go. It's it's too it's it penalizes the player way too much, and it's such a bang bang play a lot of times. Now, if it's like blatantly egregious, sure, but I think they should adopt like a soccer rule with like re- yellow cards and red cards. If you get two targeting targetings, you're ejected, but mm-hmm. one is just a warning. It's a 15 yard penalty. It just seems too punitive, and it's it's happening all across the country, and it's normally really good players. I'm ba- Jordan Battle from Bama's got ejected multiple times. Malachi Moore, Malachi Moore is arguably Bama's best defensive back. So I think that the rules needs to go. Who who knows what they'll do? I mean, what do you think? Do you think that would be a good a good mix to the rule to make it kind of a soccer soccer uh, red yellow card system? Uh, that'd be interesting, or or make it um, a spot foul. You know, instead of the like like in the in the NFL when, with that kind of penalty, it's just fifteen yards. If it was a spot foul, like whatever's worse, that would that would be a bigger blow. Yeah, but Imagine, I mean, I'm, no, I'm saying like, instead of kicking the guy out, what if I all of a sudden just cost my team 40 yards? That's that's pretty big, and that keeps the player in the game. But a spot foul, if it's like on a run or something, or like a sack. That's what I'm saying. A, a run, it's whatever's worse, the spot or 15 gotcha. yards. Gotcha. So because there is there are instances where that would be a 40 yard penalty. And there was another big targeting uh, smoke Monday from Auburn. He's probably one of their best defensive backs. He got he got ejected in the first quarter, just like Malachi Moore did. It wasn't quite as early as Moore. Um, but, yeah, for Bama, you just got to move on, turn the page, regroup, and and went out. And, look, Nick Saban's won six titles at Alabama, and all but two of those, he has lost a game, and the team has come back with a vengeance. So, I hope that this defense can get it figured out and they can run the table and face Georgia in the SEC title and then make the playoff. Um, but that's two showings against the two best teams that you've played, Florida and A&M, where the defense has looked really bad. And luckily, they didn't co- it didn't cost them the game against Florida here against A&M. It obviously did. Well, some would argue that Ole Miss is one of the best teams you played. So, well, by some I mean the AP voters. Yeah, no, I mean that's a good point. But I wouldn't argue that Bama's defense looked amazing last week. You, th- I thought that they had had this figured out. I mean, Lane Kiffin and, and Matt Corral is a much better head coach quarterback combo than Zach Calzada and Jimbo Fisher. Just because Matt Corral is probably going to be a first round pick, Calzada is probably not going to start next year. Um, He's going to be a State so, Farm agent. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be Mississippi State next week. That's all I know. Bama's rolling into Stark Vegas, and they're that's going to be a bloodbath. They're going to put a hurting on him. But, no, I mean, one more thing about Bryce. I thought he was really good. Outside that one pick, he's looked pretty good in these in these away games, the Florida and A&M. I mean, those are raucous crowds. That scene in College Station Saturday night looked insane. Mm-hmm. And I bet it was a blast if you were an Aggie. But uh, that's just going to be good for Bryce's development, though. I mean, he's getting these tough games. That one especially, you lose. Hopefully it resets the process and they get this thing going on the right track. Um, and Jamison Williams, my goodness. I mean, he I didn't even think he was going to be, you know, every, coming into the year, everyone's like, Mechie's the guy. And he looks like, a, he kind of looks like a combo of Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. He's, he can fly and he kind of glides like Devontae. He was outstanding as well. But props to the Aggies. Bam ain't dead yet, though. They're not. They're not. But that makes that trip to Atlanta all the more important. Yeah. No. If, if you lose you know, that one, I mean, you're out. Yeah. And last week, you know, we were talking about, it and it was pretty much the consensus from everyone that Bama and Georgia are on just two different levels. And right now, it looks like Georgia's the only one in a tier in their own, and Bama's down there with like Iowa. I don't. I don't know what the rankings are now. Where they? How far they fell? Bama's fifth. fifth. Iowa's <laughs> two. It's Georgia. 
Georgia, Iowa, Cincy three. I think OU might be four. Um, and then OU four. That's they're overrated. Come on. Well, yeah, I mean, that yeah. was a great game, that Texas game. Cincinnati's obviously overrated. They're not the third best team in the country, but you know, Ooh. I want to I want to get into that the 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 college football playoff mix uh, in a second after we talk about LSU. Are you done? Are you done? Uh, yeah, I'm done blabbling. I'm done. I'm done ranting. Well, um, I'll say this: A and M did what you have to do. They played a nearly nearly flawless offensive game. They forced a few turnovers, uh, and they, they they gutted out. And that's the home field advantage right there. Yep. Three points. It's all. It's all it takes. Yep. So <clears throat> there's no way Calzada is playing that well on the road. So it was just all a perfect storm. But uh, you were actually in attendance in Lexington, so I kind of want to hear set the scene for us. I, I've never been to Lexington, and I would always I've always wanted to go to all the stadiums, but definitely want to have a been to. Lovely, lovely college town. I would highly recommend going. I think it's probably one of the more underrated places in the SEC. Really. It is if you can go to an away game trip there, definitely do it. I would even you know hope that your team is in October when Keeneland open up opens up. Keeneland's their big horse track. It's sort of oh yeah. It's um it's right up there in terms of prestige with with Churchill Downs, which is in Louisville, which is about an hour away. So it was their opening weekend of Keeneland. Um, they've got a lot of obviously all the distilleries because you know Kentucky's known for bourbon, and they're all around like Louisville and Lexington. They're all right. in that general area or in between. So. We went to a couple of distilleries on Friday. We went to Keeneland on Friday. A lot of brown water for Andy Reid as well. <laughs> well, the distilleries they don't really give you a you know it's just like a tiny taste. You probably can hear my voice from from the game. It's like <laughs> it's it was good all day. Now that I'm starting to be on a podcast, you can start to hear the the raspiness come through again. So did y'all go to a race at the horse track? Or we did. Was it yeah. Just like a festival in town with it as well. And we went to the races. Yes, yeah. okay. so they, they have races like on Saturday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then they have you can either actually go inside of the races, which which is what we did on Friday, and you can you know bet on the ponies and people you know there's a lot of people dressed up nice or just kind of you know a whole kind of smorgasbord of, right. of people. Um, and then they have an outside tailgating scene where you can go. I think it's kind of more of like a, a college scene. It seemed like from the crowd we went there on Saturday before the game. And How far is the track from the campus and the stadium? It's about 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's right outside town. Um, the tailgate scene was cool, except that. Uh, there's a lot of people that showed up. We did not one of us, but not us, but that it's BYOB. So they have food trucks, they have music, they have places where you can place your bets. You can watch the races, you can watch. They had a football game on, um, but yeah, some people, some LSU fans in particular, were not aware of that factor. <laughs> but it's like this giant field essentially called the Hill, right, right. and people park and tailgate and have a good time. We go to uh, downtown Lexington was, was a lot of fun. There's a lot of, of good nightlife there that you know we went and kind of bounced around some different bars. There's a lot of LSU fans out in Lexington, so it was fun. And every Kentucky fan we met was was really nice. And so, is it a legit college town, or is it like a, did they have a downtown kind of like Baton Rouge? Not as big as Baton Rouge, obviously. It's but. definitely not as big as Baton Rouge. I, it's it's like a college town with a more legit downtown with some taller buildings. Like it's probably closer to like Knoxville, Columbia, maybe. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Columbia. It's yeah. I've been pro- to Knoxville. Knoxville. It's probably closer cool. to Knoxville, or Columbia, but it does have a small. I mean, it does kind of have. It does kind of maybe even. There's parts of it that remind me of like Tuscaloosa. It's definitely not like Stark Vegas. It's not like Oxford. It's not. Right. It's Auburn. not like Auburn. It's not that small. Um. It's a little bit bigger, and there's there's you know there's bigger industries, like the bourbon industry, and the and the horse racing and everything. Uh. All these people, they they were so ecstatic that their team is in the mix, and they were all super nice to us. We went to after we got back from Keeneland on Saturday. We went out to to the Kroger Field area, and we sort kind of started bouncing around tailgates. We kind of started. We would see LSU tailgates and go and talk to them. And we were kind of following the TVs because, like you know, you had the Ole Miss game going, you had the Red River Red River rivalry going. So we wanted to watch those and catch into those. And you then, were able to watch those because those were great. Yeah, I watched a lot of a lot of both of one those, of the better kind of, early morning windows. We yeah, had. those 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 dueling games were great. And then we. Uh, just sort of uh, I made friends with some with some Kentucky fans because they were bringing out some jambalaya and they were like at this tailgate like pretty not right in front of the stadium but it's like at the edge of the parking lot right in front of the stadium and he's like oh man you got to try this so I tried it we ended up just hanging out with these awesome people they had these two great kind of brother sister tailgates going there was some LSU fans kind of intermingled and they had a good setup they had a cool trailer they had converted into this awesome oak bar with TVs and um, just really nice people. Every fan we met was super nice. There's definitely obnoxious ones after the game because you know I understand I understand the feeling, but they all couldn't believe the situation they're in. You know, six and over the first time since like 1950. Um, they have a an excellent path ahead of them to make a New Year's Six bowl, if not the playoff, if somehow they win by a miracle next week. But like Kentucky 
Uh, they are six and zero. They go to Georgia next week, and after that, their schedule lines up very well for them to to win out, they even if they don't beat Georgia. Yeah, so they have a, a great great shot if they don't screw it up to get a New Year's Six bowl. So anyway, we get into the game, and you know, my joke of the whole day was. Guys, we're not playing basketball tonight. You know, well, I wish we'd been playing some basketball because Will Wade would have brought the thunder. Uh, Ed Ozron and company did not bring the thunder, and it was off to a rough start from the get go. Was it twenty-one to zero to start? It, it was a fourteen nothing halftime. They got it to twenty-one, but really that first drive, LSU's driving, looking good, and they get the fumble. Like the linebacker comes around, hits Max. That's probably you know, if not a ten point swing, maybe a fourteen point swing kills a lot of momentum. And yet LSU's still hanging in there. It's fourteen nothing at halftime. It's like all right, they had a rough half. They got punched in the mouth. Kroger Field's rocking, sixty thousand people. It's one of the smaller stadiums in the SEC, but that place was sold out. It was nuts. Um, it was it was wild. A lot of fun, and they just had it going. And, and LSU. LSU could not do anything offensively, and, and and Kentucky just imposed their will on them. Kentucky, they ran the ball with impunity. They ran it down LSU's throat all freaking night. It was LSU, the defense looked, looked terrible. And unlike some games where it's uh, being gashed for these big pass plays, this time they're being gashed for all these run plays. Over 300 yards is what Kentucky did on the ground. They just ran it right at him. Boom, boom, boom. Stop us. You can't. Stop us. You can't. 330 yards. I mean, it was everybody. It was their quarterback. It was their running backs. I mean, it was wide receivers. Everybody was running all over all over LSU. Three players over 100. Yeah, they couldn't They couldn't do anything. I mean, they couldn't do, LSU couldn't do anything to stop these guys when LSU finally got some things going. Kentucky probably taking the foot off the gas by that point. Uh, I did have a guy when it was 35-21 in the fourth quarter, it was like, do you think that there possibly could be another bluegrass miracle? I guess he thought that <laughs> LSU was going to magically get, I was like, I was like, well, there's a, no, I think you're okay. But th- these fans are still like, they weren't, they weren't used to this position. And there was like, Oh my gosh. Like they're like, like it's not over till it's over kind of thing. Like, I mean, A&M's had some success. A&M like has had some hope at some point in the last 70 years. I mean, is this the best Kentucky team of this, our lifetime? This is the best Kentucky team of the last 70 years. <laughs> I mean, of a lot of, of our grandparents' lifetimes, probably. This, this is the best team since Bear Bryant. Because I remember they were good back in, like, the early 2000s. They had, like, Artus Pinner. They were good. They weren't as good as this. They got to, like, a 5-0 and start. Yeah, they had been 6-0. 6-0, you know, and had some two. good wins. And, look, this is this is the, the perfect storm for Kentucky this year. They're... they're uh, Western opponents are Mississippi State. It's their permanent opponent, who's terrible, obviously, at LSU. usual. And they have LSU. They got LSU on a, on a great season. Have LSU. They overcame Florida. They beat Florida, who is a, is a top twenty team, but not not the typical world beater Florida. So they got Florida at home. They got LSU at home, and really the big test of the year is Georgia. And then they have to go and they get you know the, the I mentioned Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, but like. Going into it, why I was so confident that LSU would at least be in the mix in the fourth quarter, it would be more like the Auburn game, was because this is a team, Kentucky, that lost or beat Chattanooga by five points. They beat South Carolina by six points. Beat Florida, though. I did not expect this. I thought Florida was a fluke. Florida was not a fluke. It was a sign of things to come. This guy, Will Levis, and you can tell my voice is going to go out like by the time we're done with this. Will Levis. Dude, this guy is Joe Burrow light. He came from Penn State, grad transfer, one plan. Sean Clifford has the job, and he is he is like Joe Burrow light, excellent leader. Not quite the same arm as Joe Burrow, but he's a runner, he's a thrower, he's accurate when he needs to be. Fourteen to seventeen, uh, he ran for seventy five yards, had five touchdowns. I mean, this guy is tall, strong, big. He's got. I mean, if he wants it, he's got this season and two more seasons if he wanted to stay around at a. Uh, at, at Kentucky, this guy's leading this team and bringing them to prominence. They've got a bunch of good players. Mark Stoops is is they have uh, the left tackle that they have was from LSU, uh, Derry Rosenthal. Okay. So that, LOL on us. That guy never thought his season would turn out quite this like like this. Whenever he had to get kicked off the team, so I mean I, I cannot say enough about this Will Levis kid. This guy is is awesome. He I mean watching him in person, I was like. This guy's a stud, and I hope he plays well next week. And I hope they, I hope they keep it frisky because I mean they have, they have an outside shot. I mean they have a shot to do some, some awesome things that have never before been seen in Kentucky. So that guy is uh, they're, they're the story of the year. Even if they lose next week, if they go eleven to one, they're the story of the year in college football. But they it was literally 
a domination from start <laughs> to finish. That LSU team looked so defeated when they came out in the second half. I was with Billy Wright, and and he 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 mentioned this to me. I mean, he's only noticed this at first, and it's like they're not running together out the tunnel. They're kind of running like just staggering out the tunnel. LSU was yeah. it was not a good omen, and uh, you know you all saw the end result. It was ugly. Well, it's it sounds you know that that Auburn game, like we said before, the Auburn game was going to be the, the season defining game. And it looks like Coach O has lost the locker room. He's clearly getting canned yep. after this year. Just a matter of are they going to fire him in season or wait it out to the end of the year. But props to Kentucky and props to Mark Stoops, man. He's been one of the more underrated yep. coaches in the country. You know, they've been decent the last yeah. like five years. I mean, he's he's been there for like eight or nine years. It's crazy, but he's I think finally it's like fifteen. Do what? I think it's like more like fifteen. Years. No, he hadn't been there for fifteen years. There's no way. It's Close. I think it's his. Name. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. I think it's, it's 2013. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's somebody. I was thinking of Mike Gundy. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, they've been like a eight and four type team. You know, Kentucky traditionally. Here's the last like four six years: and six. ten and three, eight and five, five and six, and then six now this year. So, so I five mean, straight bowl games. Yeah, but Mark Stoops has just been a consistent winner there, and it's a tough job. I mean, Kentucky is one of the harder jobs yeah. in the country, not just the SEC, with the likes that you have to compete with in Georgia, Florida. You know, Tennessee's been down, but um, props to Mark Stoops. And could he be the next LSU coach? It's entirely possible. I'm sure that list is like 20 people long. I want to give a shout-out. Excellent troll job by uh, Kentucky Stadium. They played Colin Baton Rouge in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> with a loudspeaker, so good on, good on them. Look, milk it for all it's worth, guys. Like, this is uh, – not for all the Kentucky fans listening to this podcast – um, this is this is their year, man. This is going to be a special you th- ride. You think Levis can go in and keep it close against Georgia? I think they got as good a shot as anybody, man. They've got a, a very good running game, and they're they're building some serious momentum. I don't. We all thought this was going to be a trap game. Uh, this was obviously not a trap game. They doubled LSU up. You could have told me LSU was going to lose. You could have told me LSU wasn't going to cover. But I, you would have never. If you said LSU was going to get doubled up, I would have never. I was like, what's the score going to be? Like six to three? Like you would have never told me they were going to hang. It was going to be forty five twenty one. Like this is. It was unreal. I, I never expected um, that kind of result, and it was it was nuts. Like it was one of those losses where you almost you don't even feel bad about it. One because it was the opponent. Good for Kentucky uh, for doing this because they normally suck. Uh, two, it's just it's over. I mean, this yeah. era is over. I was like, you know, you maybe should, if you have to accept it, <clears throat> maybe it's needed. You know, it is what it is. They. Uh, and honestly, the the cherry on top of that of that game for me was I go to the concession stand, I get, I get three drinks, those two cokes and a water, um, to bring back to me and Billy, and they gave me a little holder for it. And I'm walking up, and of course, one of the one of the portions of the holder pop breaks, and one of the cokes drops out and breaks on the stairs. I was like, of course they do, of course this is happening. Um, and then you know you can't drown your sorrows in Kroger Field; they don't sell beer to the commoners. <laughs> Uh, so I was just drinking my Diet Cokes and waters and eating my peanuts and just <laughs> well, and the fans it was crazy around us. They're obviously very ecstatic, but like they almost didn't like know like how to celebrate something like this. So it was uh, it was wild. It was you know this team, this this team. Like golly, I mean, like Max Johnson didn't play terrible. The offense didn't play terrible. Uh, the defense though was terrible. Like they never can. It's not like one side of the ball is, is okay, one side's great. It's also one side is bad, like really bad, and one side is okay. I, I mean, and Kentucky did a great job. They really did. They they're like, hey, you want to run the ball? Run the ball. We're, you're gonna have to pick these yards up five, six, seven at a time. We're not giving you forty yards at a time. And then you know, burying the lead here, the best bright spot of LSU, Keishon Butte is out for the year. He uh, got hurt late in the game. Oh, what? Landed awkwardly on a catch. Made this amazing acrobatic catch. Immediately crumples to the ground. I got a lower leg injury. He's out. I'm hoping it's not for long term. I'm hoping it's not an Achilles. They have not released what it is. Jeez, I don't know know that. It may be a foot injury. I saw something online that. Oh, that sucks. He's the he's the most exciting player you had by far. That's that's terrible news. I I don't I don't I don't think people were speculating all sorts of things. I haven't actually heard. I would have seen it if it were like. Season ender. No, it's it's season ender. They announced it today. Yeah, oh, it, wow. it was uh, it was rough. It kind of got buried in the mix of everything, um, and so because he like fell to the sideline just and kind of rolled out of bounds. I don't, but he got carted off. You know, it, uh, it was tough. To, to, that was a, a big bummer. Malik Neighbors though had a really nice catch in the end zone, kind of an acrobatic catch. There there are guys that I'll be interested to see step up. Well, there's there's four or five really good freshman wide receivers that now will obviously get some more run. But Keishon Butte was was is. 
hopefully still, but is the next great receiver to come out of LSU. And he was having a fantastic season. He was leading the country in touchdown passes, or at least the conference or tied or something like that. He was having a fantastic season. Sort of picked up right where he left off at the end of uh, at the end of 2020. So that's a bummer to see. Um, I'll be interested to see now who steps up in that in that position group. It's kind of like when Terrace Marshall opted out last year and Keishon Butte got his time to shine right. and really balled out the last few games of the season. So I don't know if that's going to be Brian Thomas. I don't know if that's going to be Jack Besh or Malik Neighbors or Deion Smith. But there's a, there's a lot of candidates to to step up and and sort of assume that role um, to see. But yeah, overall it was a super fun trip. But yeah, for those three hours, it was it was kind of rough. <laughs> yeah, tough beat, especially with Butte going down. I had KFC for the first time in like five years. I was oh, like, wow. I'm in Kentucky, so why not try the new ch- spicy chicken sandwich? It's pretty good. So there you go. Would recommend. Um, what else do I want to talk about this game? I just yeah, definitely definitely check it out if you're if you're a fan and your team's playing there, and, and even if it's not during horse racing season, um, they. Uh, Sometimes I look up the Churchill Down schedule that's over in Louisville. Maybe you can catch a race over there. I know Keelan opens in October, but I could recommend that trip more. It's a lot of fun and kind of a different, a different speed from the typical college towns. They have a lot more to offer than than your typical places. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to go there for a basketball game too. Now I that too. Alabama's yeah. pretty good at basketball. Um, I definitely would like to make a trip up there to take it on. But yeah, man, tough tough night for the Tigers. Glad you had fun. Uh, brutal news with Boutte, and it's this let's, is just a loss. Let's talk about Ezra now. <laughs> Golly, I'm gonna have to turn my mic up. You're hear my voice. Uh, this is probably the worst thing I could do after this weekend is try to report record a freaking podcast. Um, okay, so everybody thought I listened to every on Sunday. I listened to every freaking post game show you can imagine. Uh, apparently, I I didn't realize there were so many, and Billy was informing me. But we had a long drive on Sunday, so after the Saints game, we we listened to basically everything under the sun. Everybody thought Ozeron was getting fired on Sunday, that we'd hear something. I thought he'd be fired. I thought it was going to be like the Les Miles situation. I was at the last game for Les Miles in Auburn in 2016, and he got fired on the way back on our drive back. And then I thought this was going to happen. Didn't happen. Uh, my now, my next best guess is that it's either going to happen by week, uh, which is in two more games. They have Florida this week, and they have Ole Miss the week after that. So the bye week, which is Halloween before Alabama or the end of the season. Barring some unforeseen terrible PR disaster, I just I, did you hear I, his comment on that coach's show? That was pretty embarrassing. Oh, dude, that wasn't a big deal. People wanted to blow that up, the fishing hole thing. I didn't care. I thought that was kind of funny. If he was, if he was had one loss or undefeated, that no would one would have cared. You're right. He's he said that exact same line three years ago at a press conference before Miami to a reporter as a joke, and everybody thought everybody laughed. And now it's just you know it's a snowball effect of a lot of a lot of th- a lot of different things. But one of the one of the the post games just listened to said it best is if your performance on the field is going to suffer and you're going to have a rough season, you have to nail your PR. Everything else off the field has to be perfect, and and that's everything from obviously the Title Nine stuff, a lot of which was not necessarily under his watch, right? But some of it was. And then everything else with the optics of, um, you know, his, his love life and kind of that being sort of public, saying the stuff to the UCLA guy, saying the comment to, um, saying the comment to the, the guy that the coaches showed this past week. I'm sure there's like a million other things he's probably said. Uh, but all that stuff kind of added together. And you're also eight and eight in your past, in your uh, past 16 games is the title. Um, it's just, it, it all comes together and it doesn't look great. So I don't necessarily know if you have to fire him right now. I don't, you know, What's it really going to do? Uh, That's what I'm thinking. And just because he won the title two years ago, of course, you know. I think he's. I think he's earned the. I think he's earned that. Finish out the season. Scott Woodward's track record is to let his makes coaches good hires out, too. Makes good hires, but lets his coaches finish out the season. Kevin Sullivan goes seven and five, and, and Woodward lets him finish out the season. Here's the crazy one: Ty Willingham went zero and twelve, and Scott Woodward still let him finish out the season in Washington. Zero and twelve. Wow. How about, I mean, I know Washington was a different era. This is before Sark. This is before Peterson. But still, he let the guy go 0-12. And you know what? He's, he's, I think he's either got his guy or he's about he's got his narrowed it down to a few people. Absolutely. I mean, you look at his track record. He pried, you know, Chris Peterson to Washington from Boise. He Chris Peterson got so many offers. You know, he fired someone, hired Jimbo Fisher, and then he makes a big-name hire with Kim Mulkey in the basketball department and yeah. for the basketball program. Um, I think he, I, this guy's clearly, he knows how to hire coaches. So I, I just, and it, it doesn't sound like it's going to be one of those things where you're hearing a bunch of rumors. It's he's going to be kind of a ninja and, and working behind the scenes. He's probably already talking to their agents and he's been just, talking since UCLA. I'm sure. I, I, I just wonder who it's going to be. And there, it, 
LSU is a top five job. I mean, this is, you should get an awesome, awesome candidate, much better than Coach O. And I know Coach O won a title, and you, you, you could say he was a good hire because he won that title. It was lightning in a bottle. He doesn't clearly doesn't know how to He was like the third. He was, I mean, he, I would say he probably was the third choice that year, maybe even down. And I mean, Joe Oliva is not moron. nearly as competent of hiring coaches as Scott Ward is. So I would be, I think y'all are in good hands. I'm just intrigued who it would be. I mean, is there a dream coach that you would want? I, I, I bet he, I bet he was the, I bet he was already talking to um, old stinky fingers urban before that debacle. <laughs> I bet, I bet after, after the UCLA would you game, want Irvin? I mean, not now, but if Urban, I would have been interested. That would have been fun. It would have been a short ride. It would have been a five to seven year ride with right. Urban. But I didn't think he was actually going to come here. But I think Urban was was going to be courted by USC and then potentially LSU. Uh, he's not going to be courted by either of those teams anymore. So <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he would have been the, he would have been the ultimate home run hire for sure. I never thought he would come to LSU because I didn't think that he would want to be in the same division as Saban and have to do that battle every single year. It's bad right. enough being at Florida and having to do it, but right. imagine having to play him every single year and Saban may coach till he's ninety five. So there's no being like he's almost gone. No, who knows? But I mean, I feel like with this hire, you I don't to... know if there's any more home runs left. I, I think there's there's doubles and triples maybe, but there's no there's no other home runs. Right. I mean, you're, well, like you're not. I would say this. Unrealistic home run would be like if you got here's the three home runs: Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley. You pull any of those guys? No, no, no you're definitely not. That's a, that's a home run hire. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're gonna have to get a triple then. But it's LSU such a good job. I mean, Coach O and Les Miles won that at national titles this century. Three different coaches have no other no other program in the country has that stat. Three different coaches, three nope. national ch- championships in a twenty year. No, you know, no other program even has three national championships, let alone with three different coaches. Yeah, so it's it's a premier job. I think that you can get a young, energetic guy. That, and that You want to find a guy, if you're not going to get those home runs, that can be at the program for 10 to 15 years, like, kind of like how Nick Saban yeah. has. Now, you're not going to yeah. get someone on the level of Saban because he's the GOAT, but if you got a Lane, you know, Lane Kiffin's still young, that would be a destination job. You want to find a guy that LSU is a destination job. I mean... Dave Aranda? I want you, I want you to list guys out because I've been Billy and I talked about this for I feel like we talked about this for like twenty hours, both there and back. So you you give me a guy, I'm gonna give you my argument for or against him. Okay. James Franklin. Uh I would be for that. Uh it's actually less of an argument of against him. It's just I don't think he's coming to LSU. I think he wants to go to USC or he's staying at Penn State. So I would say James Franklin. I mean, yeah. I guarantee you he's getting a call because he's He's, he's yeah, no, I, I, he actually, I think that he's probably as close. As, yeah, he's probably home run higher. He's probably. I think that is about as close as you can get. Urban as out. a guy who doesn't have a national yeah. championship or who's not been to the playoffs, that's probably the closest. Yeah, Luke yeah. Fickle. Luke Fickle, the argument I would say against twofold. One has only had one head coaching job, and that's at a power or non power five school. Two, I would always be worried in the first couple of years, especially that he's going to go back to Ohio State. If, yeah. if for some reason that job opens up. Now, if he got to like year five or six, I think it's like Les Miles with Michigan where he's here now. Mm-hmm. And say Luke Fickle won a title in the first five years, I think he'd be staying. But those first couple of years, I would be, I would be like, I would feel like, is this going to be like the Lane Kiffin scenario? Well, let's say Ryan Day, you know, couldn't coach anymore for whatever reason, and Ohio State comes calling to Luke Fickle. That would be that. Would, that's what that would scare me. But also, the bigger thing is that he's only coached at Cincinnati. But he's been very impressive at Cincinnati. They took it to Notre yeah. Dame last week, took care of business this week. Okay, Lane Kiffin. Program stability for him. Just his track record of not staying at a job for very long. And some of that was his fault, like him leaving. Some of that was, yeah, he was asked to leave. So I would be kind of worried about that. Uh, I would also be worried about his lack of uh, creating good defenses. We know he's a brilliant offensive mind. Yeah. But Ole Miss's defense is awful. And I do wonder too if he, if he wants to stay at Ole Miss actually and build something and get like four years under his belt, and I don't know that would be my only hang up. But I think you're getting warmer. I think Lane Kiffin's uh, probably a double, a good hire is would do special things with the caliber of athlete that he would have here. It would be the best athletes he's ever coached as a head sure, coach for sure. But I do think the defensive thing and defense that would has been an issue me. for LSU. Uh, Matt Campbell. I think he's. I think he's great. I think he'd be a great hire. Um, probably a double, maybe a triple. Um, probably a little young, but 
he's what he's he's overachieving in such a big way at Iowa State. He's yep. built a nice program there. He seems like the kind of clean, wholesome guy that they want to bring in to, to mitigate that. That's part of that. I forgot that negative against Lane. Lane's kind of got a persona that may not jive as well. With Title Nine stuff going on. Um, but it's, he's not like, it's not like anything actual. It's just like his Joey Freshwater image is not like the best right. thing in the world. Right. Um, but I think Matt Campbell's good. I wish he was like 45 and not 38, but I mean, I'm not going to knock him, knock him for that. He's young, but he's at a coach, I mean, but he's at a power five school and he's, he's doing good things and he's had some good seasons and I want to see how he finishes out this season, but he's going to get a call by somebody. And I think he's waiting up maybe for the right call. Right. Um, but he's, he's definitely a guy. I, mean, I think NFL teams are calling for him. Probably so. I mean, he's he's impressive. That's the one thing. No, I do not want a single NFL guy. I no, NFL. no NFL guys. I want a college guy. Uh, done. Like, All right. I got two more for you. Okay. Mark Stoops mentioned earlier. I would have never said that. I would have never thought that until now. Um, it's interesting, man, he, to see what he has done uh, with with this program. and, and I mean, just, He can recruit they recruited were, pretty well. Yeah, and he's going up against not only his SEC counterparts, he's getting out-recruited in the North by Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, like all those teams uh, up above him, Penn State. Like He's going against both the Northern teams and the Southern teams to try to go pluck guys out. And he's uh, he His best recruiting job outside of getting this quarterback was going and getting, um, I think his name's Liam Cohen. He was the, like, the quarterback's coach of the Rams mm-hmm. last year. And he's now their OC. And this guy's a young – he's basically like Jake Peets. And it's like, all right, LSU went and got Jake Peets. And <laughs> Jake Peets – neither one of these guys were coordinators. And they got – we got Jake Peets and they got Liam Cohen. And Liam Cohen's dialing it up, looking yeah. good. Looked, so, looked uh, last week. I think Mark Stoops is probably a double. I do wonder – he could be worse. It could be worse. You know, I, you know he and probably I – mean, He's Luke, not a sexy name, but – He's dependable. He's good. steady. Yeah. He and Luke Fickle are probably on the same wavelength, honestly. Like in my, I would probably have the equal as equal level of excitement by either of them. I do wonder if Mark Stoops is holding out for Florida State. That was the, that was the place where he coached with uh, Jimbo. That's where he was assistant before um, Kentucky. Well, it's still early in the Norwell era, but Norvell, I should say, they're pretty awful. All right, last one, Dave Aranda. I would love Dave Aranda if he had more experience. If he, so you don't want him? If, not this year. He need if he had more than two years. Because that that's the thing is like, you know, I don't ha- I don't have to have like a world beater necessarily. At least I, you know your defense will get back to where it should be. You do, and I think honestly, I, I you know it's it's a shame. Let's just say the next coach you know failed. Then Aranda's the kind of guy you come back to because they're having a good season at Baylor. They're probably gonna end up like a like a nine and three kind of thing. But that's that's. Heads and tails better than what they were last year. So he's looking good. You know he's going to be a good defensive coach. Uh, I would not be against him if he had more experience. So maybe circle back. And but he's he's going to get a he's going to get a better job for sure. Uh, is there anyone I left out that you you would throw in the mix? I mean, do you think they're going to hire one of those guys? I mean, of all the names you just listed, it's entirely likely it's one of those people. Um, James Franklin would be awesome. I would that, I would be stoked. Yeah, that, yeah, and I take yeah, I retract what I said. That probably is a home run hire. Um, I think that. Some interesting names, probably not that what LSU needs or wants, but um, Hugh Freeze is going to get a job somewhere. Ooh, I forgot. Is about it LSU? Freeze. Is it Florida State? Is it somewhere else? He's going to that get that. Would one. be a home run hire, I think. Freeze is awesome. So he's, he's still doing well with Liberty. Uh, I don't think he's going to get LSU's job, but I think he's going to get another ACC or SEC job very soon. I can see him being like Miami or something. Jamie Chadwell is not going to get the LSU job, but he is doing good things with the Chanticleers over in Coastal Carolina. So he's probably a year or two away from getting that call up. Billy Napier is a, is a local name from oh, ULL. No, man. That's, that's not who I want, but uh, if you do go that route of like the, they've only had one head coaching job and it's not even been group of five, maybe it's Napier. He was a former Saban assistant, if, you know, if that means anything to people. Um, these are not people I want. I, the interesting name that I've thought of and if you go back and look at it, he's actually had a decent track record. I know he's a little zany, but he does coach pretty good teams, and he's got another good team this year. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State. <laughs> I was thinking about him. I didn't. Think he's I been the head coach of Oklahoma State since Les Miles left, so since 05. Uh, he's fielded some, some really good teams, 11, uh, 11 and 12. LSU to LSU connection has worked. It has worked. He's uh, currently in the top 10 or 12. They're undefeated this year. 
Uh, I know he had the mullet. I'm a man. I'm 40. I know. Yeah, I love the mullet personally. He might be too much of a character. They may be trying to kind of get away from that. I know he wore like an OAN shirt, which is like the really conservative news network. They like pissed <laughs> off some of his players. That was so dumb. And he might just be a better fit for a smaller school. But if you see, if you see what the track record, what he's done at Oklahoma State, he's been good. You look at it. What can he do with better resources? Yep. Better players. Um, that's that's kind of the Matt Campbell argument. And better I mean, players. He's had chances to go to a. BCS championship. I mean, with yeah. Alabama, they, they were right there knocking on the door. They were number two in the I, country. Iowa State knocked them off, yeah. And the Cyclones beat them. Yeah. And, you know, the rest is history. We all know what happens after that. But so, who do you want? Who is your dream hire that's realistic? Not just like saving. The a realistic. I'll tell you another one, too, that I think is interesting. And, and LSU fans will poo poo this because of his current situation, but. I, I, and maybe he doesn't want to come to the SEC. I could, I could also understand that too. I mean, I would not be upset if a guy like Chip Kelly was was the next head coach. Look, Chip, what Chip Kelly did at Oregon? I don't know. Boom. What he did? What he's doing at he's UCLA? Been bad at everywhere since Oregon. He hasn't been. He was terrible in the NFL. At the, but the NFL, Saban was bad in the NFL. Steve Spurrier was bad in the he NFL. He hadn't been good at UCLA. Pete Carroll was he bad in the NFL beat, the first time. He just beat. He just beat. LSU. I mean, I'm just not no, no, no. This year. That's fine. That's fine. You want to look at that? If you if you want to take you know knock him for that, you got to give him a lot of credit for winning like three or four Rose Bowls and making a national championship when he was at Oregon. So I'm not saying that's who I want. I don't really know who I want honestly. Hugh Freeze. I want Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin probably because that would be exciting. And uh, I know I know Byron that LSU. I know Franklin actually, and Freeze would be my. my I probably favorite. want Franklin Not if too. he wants to be down here. I think that he. It's tough because he's a Pennsylvania guy. I know that's why I wonder. People have been t- throwing out the name. Like I think that Mel Tucker will be a great uh, potential SEC coach he'd, he'd one be day. Hopping way too quickly. I mean, he was only the, at Colorado for a couple years. He's he's shows. coached for three seasons. Like you gotta have you gotta have more experience than that. I have no idea how the heck he got hired from Colorado to Michigan State. After, he went five and seven in Colorado, and they're like, hey. Come on down. Was he in Colorado for one year? One year. One year, wow. And so he, they're also undefeated. You know, they're having a good season over in the Big Ten so far. So I think, and he's... Mel Tucker an alum? I think he might be. I think he might be a Michigan guy. I think I looked that up. I don't think he actually went to Michigan State, but you can... Yeah, Yeah, I'm looking it up. Maybe, he actually, Mel Tucker did, was a grad assistant at LSU under Saban. Well, way back in the day. Oh, no, he's a Badger. Forgot about that. I knew he was a Big Ten guy. guy. Okay, like, there's a lot of guys I'm like, yeah, this can be an intriguing hire and, you know, I don't know, but... I honestly, as I talk about it more and more, like I feel like I keep going with names. I I I, I wish it was Luke Fickle. I wish it w- he had just a little more experience. Um, I wish it was like 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 Luke Fickle, but he had Matt Campbell's resume. Maybe uh, it's just it's just tough to hand the hand the reins over to of an SEC job to a guy who's only coached at at uh, you know a non power five school. It's tough, like. Because I, I don't know he, if he would get chewed up and spit out like someone did at A&M or like Herman did at Texas, where those guys came from Houston. They go to these big-time programs. And some of that is, look, you know, Texas is a crazy place to coach. Very few people are successful there lately. Uh, I don't know. But those don't that's know. that's the common thread, though. They were all but non-Power it, 5 coaches. Right. But apparently, you mentioned Herman. I mean, I don't think I would want Tom Herman. I wouldn't want Tom Herman as a head coach right now. It just sounded like he was tough to work with. He was just kind of. I, like I want him as, a, as an OC, arrogant. and that's talking about arrogance. Ed Ogeron should have gone and tried to hire Tom Herman to be his OC, but you know what? He would never do that because he is one guy who was was who you know LSU fans wanted for the job exactly. Yeah. That's so because he's in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's Tom like Herman. an analyst for the Bears or something. So, I mean, Fickle would be great. Franklin would be great. I think Kiffin would be intriguing. Uh, I, I don't think that Kiffin would leave at this point. Leave LSU if he came to LSU. I feel like he's he he, he's good. done. Yeah, he that would be his final move because that's and there's precedent for teams to leave Ole Miss and go to another SEC team. Tommy Tuberville did it. So um, you know it's not the craziest thing in the world for that to happen. I don't know. I just it it, it probably won't be as sneaky. This hire won't be as sneaky as the baseball hire because you know it just it, there's such a bigger spotlight on it. Right. But I do think it is going to be a name that is not quite as expected as you think. And I think that name is – I think there's a final list already, and they're probably trying to button up things, look at contracts, look at buyouts, um, both on LSU's end and on the other other players or other coaches' end. So it's uh, it's coming. It's coming either either and, and I think weekend that, or – And I think it'll be a quick – it'll be a quick hire. Once, once the season's over, I think that 
Woodward's going to have his guy, and it's it's going to be a quick hire. Uh, fun little game, though. You know, LSU's a top five job in the country. Uh, it's you know one of the best jobs in the SEC. <laughs> but um, and yeah. look and look, yeah, they'd be lying through their teeth. I guarantee you, every Georgia fan would would still be trading places with LSU right now. Not. Oh yeah, for sure. They haven't won since '80. No, that's what I'm absolutely, saying. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, I, I hope y'all get Franklin or Freeze. I still think that um, Greg Sankey isn't really high on Freeze. I don't it's think kind so. Kind of been blackballed from the league, but uh, those would be my top two. And uh, it's going to be fun, man. That one of the best jobs, and you should get a host of all, a pool of awesome candidates. It's just actually, you who, know, who's I, the right fit? I forgot. I don't know. How, I, I meant to bring this up. I'm I'm just looking down my notes again. No. The guy, the dream guy, the guy that I want, just beat your team last night. Bring on Jimbo. Jimbo. Bring no. Jimbo back Jimbo's to Baton Rouge. Fraud, dude. Bring Jimbo back to Baton Rouge. You're talking about home run hires. There's, you know how many coaches are coaching right now that have a national that's championship? That's a big buyout. There is no buyout. Oh, there is no buyout. And Woodward hired him. He is in play. I told you this. I told you this back in the day. Why didn't I think this of him? was This was him. I, I, I forgot about it, too, when we were just going through this. This was Woodward potentially playing 4D chess. Hire Jimbo to this massive contract so he, he can't say no. He's going to come to Florida State. And you put in very terrible buyout clauses. Because Woodward at, was eventually on the know, LSU When guy. you know you're going to hopefully go to Baton Rouge because the leave was a dumpster fire. And then you can get the gang back together again. Actually, that is who I want. I, would, <laughs> I want Jimbo Fisher to come back to Baton Rouge. That's the guy right there. And it's a twofold. It kicks the Aggies right in the nuts just when they think they're coming back. <laughs> Well, look, I, I think the Jimbo's overrated. You, we've always been on the opposite side of this argument. I don't think that that would is the best hire you could make. Um, but that's very interesting. Three D chess you're talking about with Woodward because that makes a lot of sense. And it's not like he would have. I mean, this is his what fourth year at A and M or yeah. fifth year. So fourth, he, it's fourth not year. like he's been there for a couple years. Um, that would be interesting, but. I can't wait to see who y'all get and get the program. And, and that's the thing. If you get the right guy, LSU's going to be competitive next year. Period. They're fine. Look, guys, it's the every four-year rule. LSU in 03 won. LSU in 2007 won. 2011 made the national championship. 2015 was the anomaly. 2019, dream season. So I'm waiting. I said this. I'm waiting for 2023. You got two seasons to get there. Any coach comes in, they can make that happen. A two, a, Absolutely. New Year's six. You get going to 2018, 2019 run. That's all you got to do. All right, so Jimbo has been there since 2018. This is season number four. Um, Yeah. Well, if he doesn't have a buyout, that's definitely in play, and that would be awesome from Woodward. But I, like I said, I I still think that I would rather have It's very minimal. It is is a very coach-friendly buyout for for the amount of money it is. That's – that's, that, that was one little unique wrinkle in there. I want to play a game, another game with you, Drew. A lot of college football talk tonight, but I had a lot of time to think about it. All right, so I want you to guess. I want you to give me a number about how many teams you think are in the college football playoff mix. I'm going to let you think about it for a second. Think about how many how many teams you think are in the college football playoff mix. I, I, have, I have a number. I have a group of teams written down. It is a double-digit number. Okay. You have double-digit teams. Double-digit teams that are currently in the mix for the college football playoff. All right. I'll, the obvious, Bama, Georgia, and Iowa, I think, right now. Okay. Iowa looks I'm going like to check the them off as you, as you say. It's the best team in the Big Ten. I think Oklahoma is a scratch-off. I do not trust them. I don't think that they are a top-four So you, th- you do not think they're in the mix? Technically, they are because they're undefeated, but I don't think they'll be in the mix at the end of the year. That's what I'm saying. They're in the mix. They're but in yeah, the mix well, right now. They'd be a great team to p- open in the first round. Um Bama, obviously. Ohio State, sneakily, I think is still in there. A lot of Big Ten teams. Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa all have a chance. And Cincinnati, I think this, you know, if it plays out correctly, uh, I still think Bama jumps Cincinnati if they went out and beat Georgia. So it all depends on what happens to Oklahoma, I think, for Cincinnati right now. Because if, you know, those four teams control their own destiny. Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, in my opinion. Um, and Michigan. If you're undefeated and you're in the you know those those conferences outside Cincinnati, they would be the one exception. I would say that they're in. Uh, Kentucky is in the mix right now. I mean, if they could beat Georgia, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think Kentucky's in the mix, and I think that's about it, man. How, how many did I give? Like ten. Michigan State as well. If Michigan State wins out. Seventeen. Seventeen teams are in the mix. Wow. This Texas A&M thing did a lot because Bama is not going to roll undefeated, which means they have to win in Atlanta. 
Clemson already has two losses. They are out. Yes. A team that we would all thought. So there's potentially two teams that are that are mainstays Oregon, that might you be think out. Is still in this? I'm gonna go conference by conference. All right. And and then I'm gonna go conference by conference. And when I say the name, you say contender or pretender. Okay. I'm gonna give you the record too. Contender is in as in they actually the they probably will like they re, like you think in three weeks they'll still really you know yeah. when we get to November we'll say when they get to November they'll actually still be contender. We'll, that's how we'll define it. All right, Georgia six and zero contender. Bama five and one contender. Kentucky six and zero pretender. But the funny thing is though with Kentucky the caveat here is at eleven and one if Bama loses in Atlanta. They're they're on the fringe. No, if, if things break their way, if things break their way. All right, uh, Ole Miss, pretender, four and one. Sorry, I'm gonna say that. Iowa six and zero, contender. Uh, Ohio State five and one, contender. Penn State five and one, contender. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, I think if Penn State won out, they would get in because the Big Ten's good. I'll put contender for now, but that one's iffy. Michigan six and zero. Pretender, I don't, I don't trust Michigan. They barely beat Nebraska this week. They're winning close games. Um, pretender. Michigan State six and zero. Really impressed with what Mel's done, but I the Big Ten East is too hard. They're a pretender. So they've got three six and zero teams right now. Two five and one teams right now. One of those five On and one the teams. East? Um, four of them are yeah, in the East. No, okay, yeah, Iowa's in the West. Iowa does not have to play Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan, and they've already beaten Penn State. Yeah. And on on the 30th of October, we're going to get Michigan, Michigan State. So one of those gets a loss. Penn State, Ohio State, they're playing on, on the 30th. So that one of them will knock each other out. So we'll yeah. get we're, a lot of these will cancel each other out as the season goes on. All I right. mean, I'm starting to think, though, the Big Ten East champions getting in no matter what. Yeah, if they only if, have if one they, loss. If they only have one loss, obviously. I mean, Iowa, they would probably get – I don't know. I, I mean, they would play – Iowa would play the Big Ten East champ. So yeah. – um, Big Ten's, Iowa has Big Ten's fun this schedule. year. I mean, there's some good teams. It's, it's a lot. I like, I like it when the Big Ten's good. It's kind of a boring brand of football, but it's always fun when everyone, there's a little bit more parity in college football. And that's one thing that we've had all year that's been awesome. I got eight more. Big 12, uh, Oklahoma, 6-0. They're a contender, unfortunately. Oklahoma State, 5-0. Pretender. Pac-12, Oregon, 4-1. Uh... That's 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 like with Penn State. Oh man, I don't know. Um, Just to make the playoffs, yeah. they're a contender. If they went out, they have a chance. Arizona State five and one, and they do not play Oregon this year. I still think they're a pretender. I don't think they're going to run the table. ACC. These are, this is where we start. No one fun. in ACC. Wake Forest six and zero. No, ACC is so bad. The American is better than the ACC this year. I mean, it's crazy. NC State four and one. No chance. Other Cincinnati five and zero. They're a contender. Now, Cincinnati's going to be an interesting case study coming down here on the stretch because if they're undefeated and they have a huge win against Notre Dame and you have a one-loss Bama or a one-loss Big East, I mean, Big Ten East champ, I don't know. Notre Dame 5-1. and one. They're, they're, they're a contender for now. Uh, I don't think they're going to win out, but if they do, they'll be right there. I'll have a list of nine teams for the New Year's Six Bowl. See, I didn't, I didn't put, I didn't put the Shanta clears on the CFP mix, even though I wanted to. Coastal Carolina six and zero right now. BYU five and one. SMU six and zero. San Diego State five and five and zero. A and M four and two. Florida four and two. Texas four and two. Arkansas four and two. Baylor five and one. All those teams control their destiny for a New Year's Six Bowl. It's gonna be beautiful. Uh, not all the non-power five ones, but the power five ones. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of teams. I'm saying there's a lot of teams Kentucky, that control Kentucky, their destiny. Kentucky, Arkansas, and Ole Miss could all get. The Sugar Bowl, depending on how it plays out, and I don't think uh, Kentucky plays either the either of those teams. No, they do not. Um, and Arkansas has got a really tough schedule, so I, I would probably lean Ole Miss right now to finish second in the West because they got that win over Arkansas. I don't believe in Auburn, um, and obviously not LSU. <clears throat> Might be A and M. Could Might be A and M. It could be. I mean, we'll see what the lane. Calzada, Calzada could have turned the corner, and that's all they really needed. They had talent. They all they've always had talent. They just had terrible QB play to start the year. All right, you want to go to uh, winners and losers, or you want to go to the Saints? Uh, we can do winners and losers. <clears throat> All right, I'm gonna let you go first. We'll start with college. We'll start with college. Yeah, let's just do it. We'll start with college and do the uh, do the NFL, and then we'll go to the Saints. All right, I'll let you go first. 
All right, I'm obviously Calzada, um, but my biggest winner is is Mel Tucker, man. He has been unbelievable in year one, undefeated at Michigan State. Uh, just after what he did last year at Colorado, I've been really, really uh, impressed with him. And then the Hawkeyes are a winner. That defense looks for real. Uh, the only game I got in the pick'em was that Hawkeye game, and I only have college winners. Uh, That's so okay. You can go ahead. Um, is that all yours, or you should want to go back, or did you have more? That's all my winners. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, Big Ten. They're right now, like we just mentioned earlier, they have five potential college football playoff contenders. Um, Oklahoma, big winner, especially Caleb Williams and Kennedy Brooks. Those combo that was they were lightning uh, to help engineer that comeback. Not once, but twice. Sam Pittman, uh, I, he's a winner because I like to have the balls to go for two on the road. Yeah, I did like that. He wasn't stopping uh, that was Lane Kiffin. Game. That was beautiful. Um, UT, uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Another huge offensive day. Scored 45 this week, 62 last week. That Ole Miss game in uh, in Knoxville is going to be fun this week. Yeah, that's going to be Lane train coming to Ole town. Ole Miss was on one of mine because of the luck. I mean, they got really lucky, but I love the call from Pittman. Though that game in the Red River shootout was just insane and drama at the end. Just back and forth. Got to love it. Another big winner, uh, Colts. Um, Texas A&M, obviously they're a big Colts. So, uh, yeah. good, good winner for the Colts. Uh and then my biggest winner of the week, I mentioned him earlier, Joey Burrow Light, Will Levis, five touchdowns, quarterback, came from Penn State, making things happen in the Bluegrass State. Uh, look, man, he's going to the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl. I hope it works out for him. And uh, that, I mean, that guy is awesome. Well, that, yeah, another winner, if we move to the NFL, is Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase. My God, yeah, they got five Bengals. TDs. I mean, they, they that was – then loser of that was the kicking. Oh, my goodness. They had like five missed kicks in a row. But it's pretty fun, been fun. It's been pretty fun to watch Joey B and and Jamar just they just like they haven't picked left off since that natty in the dome going deep once a game. It seems like uh, Jamar has clearly been worthy of that top five pick. I'm gonna lead off with my biggest loser. You just touched on a little bit. NFL kickers, twelve missed points, twelve missed PATs, twelve missed field goals yesterday. We haven't had the money in that game yet, so that could increase. This is the first time in, in the NFL where both there was double digit misses in both. Uh, extra points and field goals in one week. So far through the season, the point after conversion rate is 92.4%. That is the worst rate since 1979. To give you some more perspective, in 1979, they kicked the extra point from the two-yard line. <laughs> now they kick it from the 15-yard line. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and to piggyback off that, Cody Parkey, the barner that the Saints signed, missed two PATs. Luckily, it didn't bite them. Uh, kicking game was bad, and... Uh, Kind of not any players for losers. The NFL officiating just continues to be horrendous. There were some awful calls in the Saints game. There was a terrible non-PI call in the Chargers-Browns game. Uh, you know, we always like to, you know, hate on the refs because they hate the Saints. But it's just badly wide. I don't understand how they can't fix it. The roughing the passers are becoming absurd. You know, the Josh Allen, like Chiefs are trying to get back in that game last night. Josh Allen barely gets tackled, and they call, you know, roughing the passer. Uh, NFL officiating is a loser every week, but I just had to point it out because it, it, there was some really big calls that could have changed some games yesterday that was pretty putrid. Uh, I got some more losers. One, uh, man, tough beat for Penn State fans. They, they Sean Clever gets knocked out of the game, and they end up losing to Iowa. BYU lost 26-17 uh, uh, to Boise State. They were – I mean, BYU had had they they had a shot to potentially get to New Year's Six Bowl. That ain't happening anymore. Um, My Lions, biggest loser. Uh, let me let me go a couple go more. Ahead. Let me go a couple more. Giants. I'll take it. Good, uh, who? I'll just, all right. Who is it? Spencer Rattler. Okay, then I'll hold off on that. Hold off on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying him. Uh, Giants. Um, they lose Jones, Daniel Jones, Barkley, Galladay, all in one game. Uh, Kadarius Tony gets ejected. A cornerback got <laughs> That's hurt. That's not a shocker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's fighting everybody. Uh, the Lions. Second, the first time ever. Second loss on a walk-off field goal of over 50 yards. Um, the Dolphins. That was hilarious. Getting pistol whipped by the Bucks yesterday by nearly 40 points. And another huge loser, uh, people trying to sell LSU tickets for the rest of the game, the rest of the season. And also the guy I saw on Tiger Droppings that said he's a Florida fan coming to his first game in Death Valley and it's 11 a.m. kick. <laughs> Jeez, that's brutal. It's 11 a.m. kick for Florida. That's just – that's Can't wait. That right there is a loser of the week. The fact that LSU so bad that the Florida game is at 11 a.m. Uh, but, no, Spencer Rattler, this kid is a D-bag. And uh, Caleb Williams' <laughs> winner came in and, and dominated. But what, he was such a loser because – Caleb Williams has an amazing 66-yard TD run, and Spencer looks pissed on the sideline. Eventually, Lincoln Riley benches him, 
And then, like, I was just on Twitter, and, and it brought up these, you know, scenes from the QB1, and the guy is just a prick. He's cocky, and he's not very good. He's really inconsistent throwing the ball. He turns the ball over. Spencer Rattler, you're the biggest loser. Uh, hopefully this will check your ego, and, and maybe you can improve your draft stock because he was, like, the number one pick going yeah. into the year, and now he might be in the transfer portal or, like, a day six guy, a day three guy going in, like, the sixth round. So biggest loser of the week, him. And uh, that was that was my big one. I read his his touchdown to interception radio, ratio was four to one last year, and is down to two to one this year. Good lord! So, not a good look. And, um, and Caleb Williams was a top five recruit. I mean, this guy. Yeah, that was he was the top quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was the guy. I mean, had Joe Brady stayed and given indication he was going to stay, he Caleb Williams was was really, really? strong considering LSU. That would have so, been awesome. But obviously, it didn't happen. So, lol us. <laughs> um, but anyway, so. Let's go talk about the Saints. Uh, caveat, I didn't actually get to watch the game. I just saw the highlights. I listened to it on the radio, which is probably the first time I've listened to a game in its entirety on the radio in quite some time. Um, the new radio guy, Mike Haas, is uh, enthusiastic, but needs a little work for the Saints, but he's getting there. Yeah, he's, It's only game five or so, I guess game five for I him. Definitely, I definitely liked Streif a little more than the new guy, but um, he's getting he'll there. get it down. He'll get it down. But no, man, that was a, uh interesting game. I mean, Saints, you know, Jameis, it was the Jameis experience, man. He had a pick and a fumble. Great play by Chase Young to force it. Um, but the Saints saw them throw the ball down the field. Deontay Harris gets in the end zone. Some really dumb penalties. The rough in the, uh, yeah. the punter was brutal. Uh, but you got to like the way that they came out and they got this dub. I thought that Jameis played pretty well. He was only 15 for 30, but with that one pick. But when you saw the replay, he, he, d- he did get his foot stepped on by mm-hmm. Pete was getting bull rush. Shocker. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that I don't want to really put that on Jameis too much. The fumble was tough. I mean, he was a little loose with it, but... Um, I like Callaway, you know, the Hail Mary at the end of the half. That That was was amazing. Um, I like that they started off going to Kamara early, getting him involved. This was probably his best game of the season. But again, Taysom Uh, goes down with an injury. Deontay Harris is out with an injury. The amount of unhealth that this roster has is truly unbelievable. But you go in, you get the win. Defense, you know, steps up. Debo had a nice interception. P.J. Williams got another pick. This defense has... Eight interceptions on the year by like seven different players. They're balling. Marshawn Lattimore had six pass breakups. Yeah. He's playing like the best cornerback in the league. I mean, him and Trayvon Diggs, I think right now, are the best. This, I mean, this, statistically. This is one of those matchups that he he knew scary Terry McLaurin. He dominated was, McLaurin. He, that's a guy who's a really good receiver. That's like a Mike Evans type in terms of like skill level. Oh, yeah. Like oh, how yeah. good this guy is. Julio Jones. And like, he's underrated. He shut him down. Yeah, shut he shut him this down guy completely. down. And, uh, you know, it's just... Really getting to three and two. This team should be four and one. They blew the yeah. game last week, and luckily it was just like last week. About eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Saints have an eleven point lead, yeah. and they score a touchdown on a, some questionable PI calls on on Marshawn in the end zone there. But the defense stopped them on that two point conversion. That was the difference between this week and last week. And then I thought Sean had a much better game calling plays. Yeah. Uh, that last touchdown they had to Marquez Callaway or to Alvin was a great scheme, but that touchdown they had to Marquez Callaway uh, was a great scheme and man coverage. So Sean had a bounce back day. I didn't think Jameis was all that bad. He needs to be a little bit more efficient and limit the turnovers, but he hadn't been. I mean, that pick, you a lot of his picks that have been understandable. I mean, I understood why he, that was such a terrible throw is because he got stepped on. He hadn't been, he hadn't made terrible decisions, I don't think. But he's still, Sean still has the handcuffs on him, I believe. But look, you go into the bye, you're getting all these guys back. I mean, we could get 10 starters back for the Seattle game. And they don't have Russ because he's out with, a, with you know, the, the finger surgery. I know, so I know. this is a must win. you got to win in Seattle against Geno. I, um, I hate to see it because I like Russell Wilson a lot, but I was like, if you're going to get hurt, I'm glad that coincided with yeah, the time that, we, that we're was playing you. Yeah. And the Bucks, I mean, they... Was that the exact same injury that happened to Breeze on Aaron Donald? It, like, no. So this was on his middle finger, I think. Nice. And Breeze um, was the thumb. It's called like Melly finger or something. I forget what it was. And Breeze was the thumb. Was it? Yeah, Breeze okay. tore a ligament in his but thumb. But similar on the hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I saw that replay. I was like, dang. I was like, yeah, Aaron Donald just bad. freaking shop on and hands. Gino looked pretty good in one drive, but overall... And they looked bad in the next one. <laughs> Well, that was a little unlucky. His receiver fell down. But uh, just go on the road, get a win in the NFL by double digits is always impressive. I don't care who the team is. I know Heineke's kind of garbage. He had some really bad interceptions. Uh, But you got to credit the defense. Debo's been amazing as a rookie. Pete Werner's really starting to look good. 
Um, and if you get Quan, you have Quan back. I mean, that's some serious linebacker depth. Yeah. And uh, like the whole, the, they 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 did what we needed them to do is get go three and two. And then right. four one would have been nice, yes. But given the circumstances, being able to go oh, yeah. three and two, going into a bye week to get people back, and the I Panthers know lost, which was big on Sunday to the Eagles. But yeah, getting having that winning record, I think allows this team to, to win ten games. I mean, look, and, if if. If L- LSU, if the Saints had played the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, they would have won too. Like I mean, yeah. like that's unfair to to give that comparison. That's true. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's nice that they lost because it looks like the Bucks are going to run away with this division. But, but the Bucks defense has been struggling. Their secondary is depleted, and they they're allowing bottom five pass yards so far. So I I think that Jameis could play pretty well against Tampa, and the Saints played well against Tampa last year. But the biggest thing is just get healthy by the bye. With a winning record, they did it. I mean, it's pretty impressive they're 3-2 and two when you consider all yeah. the star power that's been out. I mean, Will Lutz has been missed probably the most out of anybody. Yes. Him, or you could argue Thomas, but like Cody Parkey was awful. Rosas was a disaster. And the Saints are probably 4-1 and one if they have Will Lutz. I mean, I think that they're kicking field goals and Sean's calling different uh, different game plan when you have Lutzy out there. I mean, the kicking game's just been a total disaster. It's like Bama back in the heyday before we had Rikert. So, uh, hopefully Lutzy gets back, and hopefully we get the full cast of characters back for the Peyton and Eli to announce that game on Sunday. Or on Monday night against Seattle. Are they back for that one? Yeah, they're back for that one. Oh, man. That makes sense. They want, they want to do a Saints game, so that makes sense. I wish I, For that broadcast, it kind of would be more fun with Russell, because they already had Russell on. Uh-huh. Um, but it's still going to be fun. It's going to be interesting how the watching experience is going to be when your team is actually playing, you know? You think they um, root for them? Oh, like the game flow. Us watching, this is a different watch. us watching them. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm going to give it a quarter. Yeah, I might give it like a first half. To be fair, something. I might be watching the people that don't want to watch that. So, I mean, I kind of have no choice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I got, Let's go ahead and kill this. My third really starting to kill me, so I can't talk much more. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to the game this Saturday to watch LSU probably lose to Florida. Oh, you're going? You got the RV? Uh, no, I don't have the RV this week. But I, yeah, I just want to go. I want to go see some, you know, see the friends. Uh, you know, I'm going because honestly, 2020 happened and we didn't get games, so yeah, there will be a little bit of an experience before, and then go see some people after the game and hang out. But so this would be a game. O wins. You watch. He'll probably win this one. After, I don't know. This after, team looks after bad. Troy, he beat Florida. So if you believe, if you want to spin it in a positive direction in O's darkest hour, Florida's probably pretty pissed after that loss last yeah, year. Yeah, I would imagine so. The two, te- the two <laughs> so. teams LSU won in games nine and ten last year. The next two teams on the schedule, so uh, it's going to be something. All right, till next week, Drew. Keep it real.